It has come to this, Marco Arment, one-on-one. iPad versus the Mac. We've been dancing around on our various shows for a couple of weeks, and uh, we're here together now, as you have dubbed top two computing platforms. I, did I say that? That's what you said to me. That this is what we're calling it, top two. Oh, top yeah, two that's right. <laughs> yeah. So... Uh... So, so I guess I'm, I'm supposed to have like five picks. Yeah, I guess so. Like, what's your favorite five features or something? I don't know. I don't know. Um, I don't think we're really here to try and solve anything today. Um, <laughs> but I think that we should we should debate it. And okay, what I've what I think might be an interesting thought experiment is for me and you to discuss what the future of computing will be, because I think that's where this this argument keeps revolving around. Right, like that. I'll I'll try and see if I can summarize your argument for you that that many people believe that the future of computing is the iPad, but you would say that the the trends of sales indicate that this is not the case. Well, you know, as usual, it's a more complex mm-hmm. argument. Like, you know, I think any any simplistic view on the future of anything is unwise because the future can change. No one's very good at predicting it long term, and chances are the future of computing is going to be something that neither of us are really thinking of. Yeah. You know, so like if you look at how things actually happen, like that's, that's probably more likely. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, and the one thing I really wanted to narrow, uh, to narrow this down to and, and to, and to talk about the one point that, that I actually care most about discussing is the idea of, you know, when people say the future of computing, that's very broad. Uh, what I'm more talking about is the presumption in that statement, usually, and, and at least, you know, and often separately stated, the presumption that iPads slash good tablets are, are long-term going to replace PCs and Macs, like the kind of, like, you know, laptop form factor with files and Windows in the, in the OS. Like, that is specifically the point where I disagree with a lot of people, and I think that's where we disagree mm-hmm. pretty much is on that point. So I, I think it's useful to focus this a little bit on, like, you know, is the tablet form factor and, and OS paradigm, as we know it today, long-term going to replace the PC laptop paradigm? I think so. I mean, I I think that we will end up in a situation where we have devices in very similar sizes and form factors to what we have now but from the smallest screen to the largest screen they look and re- and act more like iOS than than macOS and that there won't be a macOS that that's where i see it going and part of this is like it, i don't even think that it's a case of like what's best i think it's just a case of where the trends will go like people coming into computing now for the first time the device that they become the most familiar with is their smartphone and you know you said this many times right that if you want to if you want to see what the winner is or if you want to see what you, you as you say you can't bet on this can't get bet, bet against the smartphone right that's yeah, a, a never bet against you, the smartphone a line that you said many times and and i think that that is for me the crux of why the future of computing is closer to the ipad than the mac because people are growing up learning how to use these devices and quite frankly the mac is 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 very little like these devices and it kind of doesn't really matter what apple does to kind of like put a put a shine on it right like oh let's put launchpad in 
these devices are, v- are very, very different, and I, I really believe that it will be more likely that a de- there will be a 28-inch iPad in five years' time that sits on our desk as opposed to a Mac. How would you control the 28-inch iPad? Like, would there be a mouse optionally? Like, so it, would it be kind of like the Microsoft Surface Studio where, like, you could use the whole thing as a touchscreen with an optional stylus, pen, whatever, but you could also use a mouse and keyboard? Like, would it be that kind of thing? I feel like that there would be multiple input devices for these things, right? That it, it would be... I think I honestly think that, that Microsoft nailed it. Like, the, the, the form factor of the Surface thing the surface what is it pro surface pro or something studio yeah. studio like because you can touch it and you can also use a mouse with it or use a trackpad with it or use a pen with it and i think it will be the adaptability that wins out like that people can can grab these screens and bring them too close to them so they can touch them or they can continue to use uh, a mouse or a trackpad and a keyboard because, I mean, look, the keyboard can, can't be attached to this thing. Like, if we want to continue using physical keyboards, which I think people will, honestly, for when they're sitting in a desk position purely for ergonomics, well, the, the keyboard's already going to be detached from the screen. There may as well be some kind of pointing device that could work with them as well. Like, I, I don't see that being a completely crazy thing. Yeah, I, I think I agree. I mean... The there's a lot of ergonomic challenges to overcome, and it's easy for like us Apple people to just repeat the same line Apple's been giving us for years, which is like touch in the world of PC style hardware doesn't make sense. Like it's hard to have like touch on a big screen or touch on the desktop where you have the screen that's like across the desk from you, and then you have a keyboard up close, or even touch on a laptop where like you have the screen being vertical, and then you have the keyboard being horizontal, like. we've we've heard these these blanket statements of that'll never work from apple for years now be you know basically ever since they released the ipad and everyone started both asking apple whether they're going to do this and then seeing microsoft actually do it in their various products um and now the the world of pc laptops pc and and you know I, i think it's useful to point out here that like laptops are really the bulk of pc sales for both for apple and for windows pcs laptops really are most pcs so even though we're talking about this high end desktop thing the reality of the computer industry is most people use laptops as their computers whether they're work issued or whether they're buying them themselves it is far more common to use laptops than desktops and and if you look if you look in the pc industry they've been making these hybrid touch and laptop laptops for years now like that's it's it's been fairly commonplace for at least three or four years and now almost every pc laptop that is at all a deluxe model like Mm -hmm. and granted you know many pcs are sold as bare bones cheapo things however any like mid-range to high-end pc laptop is now also a touchscreen and and is is convertible in some form whether it's like a, a swivel hinge or something else convertible in some form to tablet operation with touch um and as the entire pc world has has gone that direction at first, everyone was like, oh, this is stupid. No one's going to use this. This is dumb. Apple was right. And then we're slowly here. Like, and as I've been discussing this on ATP like, and, and discussing the future of computing and touch and everything else, I've been, we've been slowly hearing from more and more people that the number of like Surface books in their meetings at their office is increasing and that people are using the touchscreens on them and they're seeing more and more of them like at work and in airports and in coffee shops and everything else like 
there's something there. And so I think Apple, their their position of these worlds will never mix, that that like the touch bar is the only way we're going to ever even start to cross these worlds, and that you're never going to touch the screen on your Mac, that I think is either incorrect or it's Apple just playing coy with us until you know, two years from now, they have touch Mac OS in some form. Um, so I, I think it's worth considering that as we're thinking about the future of, of PC laptop kind of things, it is worth considering that this hybrid approach is very likely. Now, whether the starting point of that is, you know, making an iPad that is like, like, for example, okay, what if there was a future model of iPad? Again, I'm not saying this is incredibly likely, but what if there was a future model of iPad that was a clamshell laptop form factor? So hardware and software-wise, it's still an iPad, but it has a permanently mounted keyboard with a hinge and a big battery in the bottom so it's weighted properly. And like, so it's basically a laptop hardware running iPad guts and iPad OS. I would love it. Like, to me, I, I, I think... If you're t- if you're talking about like the future of computing, mm-hmm. it's very very clear that the laptop form factor is a real sweet spot for people. If you look at how how sales trends have gone over the last like twenty years, uh, it is very clear that people still love laptops. For a long time, businesses kept buying desktops not because they were inherently better for their workers, but because they were cheaper. Laptops used to be very expensive. Now desktops and laptops are similarly priced uh in 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 most spec configurations because everything just has gotten like components are just so cheap now it isn't that much more expensive to put things in a laptop versus put things in a desktop so now that that's and that's one of the reasons and also as as workforces become increasingly more mobile and as companies have more like you know work at home one day a week or just people who work at home constantly uh i think it's that has increased the demand from the business world so basically now everyone buys laptops there's a reason why everyone loves laptops it, it it's kind of like the way i'm, I'm always so optimistic about smartphones because smartphones are really like this sweet spot where like it's a thing that you could it's a computer that you can operate usually unless you're you with one hand uh <laughs> unless you buy the giant one i can use it with one hand just fine reachability mode doesn't count uh <laughs> do you ever use that uh only to pull notification center down <laughs> that's pretty good yeah. all right um so <laughs> so like you know the, the smartphone i i feel like like on the on the curve of like com- or like the the spectrum of computer sizes you have like the smartwatch on the very far end of tiny and then you have the phone pretty close to that and then you have some distance then you have the lap then you have the tablet then you have a bit more distance then you have the laptop and then you have a giant distance then you have the desktop <laughs> and because of the way humans are designed because of how how big we are how big our hands are how big our our clothing tends to be how big our pockets are uh how we tend to carry things around uh whether we're carrying bags or whether we have pockets or whatever else um and then how we interact with things how big a screen can be and and have it look good to us how much stuff you can fit on screen without having it be too small to see or too small to tap with a finger uh there are certain in in this continuum of of device sizes and shapes 
there are just certain sweet spots that just because of the way humans are designed, we find these little sweet spots, and that's just really nice for a lot of people, and those devices tend to stick around. We have had the phone as a thing, as a computing platform, since PDAs in the early 90s. Mm -hmm. Like, the phones we have today are about the same form factor as the original Palm Pilot, back when it was not even called Palm, back when it was the Pilot 1000. Like, that was that was a very long time ago now. That was like the mid-90s. So that was, you know, what, that's 20 years ago. Uh, and we've had that for a long time, and that seems like it's not going away anytime soon. We've had the laptop for, and the laptop kind of in the general proportions that we know it today, for about the same amount of time, a little bit longer, but you know, about the same amount of time. These things have been established for a long time. I feel like the phone and the laptop are these two incredibly sweet spots in that size graph for humans, for the way we work, for the size we are, for the way our hands and our eyes and our clothing all work. Those two sweet spots, I think, are going to be there for a very long time. So the only question is what basically like what software environment do we have on the little rectangle that goes in our pocket and the clamshell laptopy thing that we open up for larger tasks and so whether the ipad becomes that clamshell laptop thing for more people or whether something like a mac or a windows pc continues to dominate that that part of the of like the way of what people use to some degree it kind of doesn't matter uh, i think all, all that matters is whether that form factor will continue to exist and then what software paradigm do you think is best for operating that form factor so i think we've seen in smartphones that the the kind of like quick app centric lockdown model in most ways works pretty well for smartphones like you wouldn't want to have like a desktop full of files and folders and a whole bunch of tiny windows to manage on your phone, even though your phone is as giant as it is. Uh, I, I don't think you would want that on a phone. I think that would be cumbersome and hard to see and hard to manage, and, and it, would, it would cause slower access. But I think when you move up to the, to the screen size and the more precise input methods that you can have in a laptop form factor, then I think the the ta- the mobile style OS like iOS starts to become a little cumbersome. Starts becoming a, l- a limiting factor, and you can you can then start having things like precisely sized windows, more of them on screen, files and folders that are more directly accessed in more complex ways. You can have more power user features, like you can have modifier keys and shortcuts and everything else, where like things where it, it there's just there's more interaction density, there's more opportunities for you know, precise control, you can fit more controls on screen, you can fit more applications on screen. So my position here, and I think this is where we might differ and where we might be able to, to talk more about it, is that the the laptop PC, you know, shape form factor hardware, I think the tablet OS as we see on iPads today doesn't work in that form factor nearly as well as the windows and mac style of os you see this is where we fundamentally disagree all right good we finally found it because the ipad pro is pretty much intended to be used in laptop form factor 
right, with the keyboard, with a keyboard. I mean, that's kind of how it's presented. There are a lot of options for it. And honestly, that is the best way, in my opinion, to use it. And there are a bunch of different keyboards that you can use. And to be clear, you're talking about the 12.9 specifically? Both, really, honestly. Um, Because the 12.9, of course, is better in that size because it's bigger and heavier. So having a keyboard of some some kind gives it a little bit more stability when you're trying to use it. But even the the 9.7, in my opinion, um, the 9.7 with the Logitech Create, I think it's the best computer I've ever owned. Like, it's perfect for me because it's the most portable and it's still, I consider, to be incredibly powerful. And if you use an external keyboard, you get more screen real estate, right? Because there's no virtual keyboard popping up and taking up 50% of the screen when you're trying to use it. But for me, having iOS in this form factor is brilliant because the the, the devices aren't huge. So the keyboards, when they close up, they they don't push the screen miles away from you. And I'm able to kind of take this device, put it anywhere I want, and I can still manipulate it with my hands. And I think that it's, you know, if we go back to the the the, the argument of like the, the best form factors are the thing that goes in your pocket and the thing that you can put in front of you and work on. If we're kind of agreeing, which I think we do, that these are the best two form factors, right? So mm-hmm. like the laptop style and the phone style. I honestly think it's best to unify the operating system. Like the most people that use computers for whatever they use them for should, in theory, find it more comfortable to be able to use the same thing in both places. And I think that is why the iPad just slotted into my mind and I was like, this is where I want to work. Because iOS, for me, has been the operating system that has had the biggest impact on my life. Like, I have been using computers seriously for 12 years, right? And for 10 of those, iOS has been a part of it. So, like, it has been with me the whole time. And when I started using computers, I never really bothered to learn AppleScript. I never bothered to learn the terminal. I don't know any programming languages. So a lot of what's really powerful on the Mac it's just not something that I take advantage of in any way. You know, like I don't do anything low level. You know, like I hear you guys talking about homebrew and stuff like that. Like it just doesn't mean anything to me. iOS is where I'm able to control the computer to do things the way that my mind works. Everything is graphical, right? Like if I want to create a script, I use Workflow. And that is a, an application where I'm able to learn because of how things look as opposed to trying to read a book to understand terminology. So for me, iOS works best in this because I have a unified platform with the two devices that I use the most, my phone and my laptop-style computer. And I get your point about having like more precise input, but I honestly don't think that's important. Like... Being able to move my windows around just right is just not something that I care about. Two apps side by side is fantastic. And I long for the day where I can have three apps side by side because of whatever it is Apple does next. Or I have four apps and they each take up a quarter of a larger device and I can drag and drop between them. Like This is where I think iOS will end up going. And to me, that just works way better. The applications do everything that I need them to do. And I'm able to take advantage of web services now, 
like Zapier and IFTTT to do other things. And again, these are these are systems that are built visually, and it appeals more to me. And I would, you know, I would say to it is easier for novice users or learning users or new users to understand how to use this stuff because it's visual. And I think honestly that it is because of a lot of the way that these apps are built. And the fact that it is visual and we have less control over what's below and what's kind of abstracted, this is why I honestly think that iOS will win out. So I, there's a number of, I think, complicating factors here, right? Like, you know, one of which is that the Mac has not gotten a lot of attention recently from Apple. And you can, you can be, a, you know, a, a huge Apple fan and you can say, no, well, that, that's totally wrong. Look at the touch bar. And the touch bar was a very big hardware innovation, but it really has not at all changed Mac OS or, or really most of the built-in apps or how people do Mac OS. You know, your, your, your love for things like Workflow, well, Workflow is Mac OS Automator done today and done better but max had and still technically have although i think soon to be had uh a system called automator i tried to use automator many years ago and Mm -hmm. it's it's i'm sorry everyone it's horrible uh to try and understand how to use something like that yeah you're right like workflow is that but that's what it is is right like it is the ios version of that and that's all i can do and i work within the constraints that i'm given but i'm still able to get my work done you know sure and so so i think like there there's a number of like we i think we have to avoid like some some false equivalences and some other logical fallacies that i'm not educated enough to actually name correctly but uh you know like one of the things is like there's nothing stopping anybody from making workflow for the mac like the workflow people could make workflow for the mac yep. and have it do almost all of the same things and there, so like automator for the mac is inferior to workflow not because mac os is inferior to ios in those ways but because apple just made it like 10 years ago and then never touched it like they just it just never got any attention they and it just has basically been in its initial state for its entire life um and that's honestly typical of a lot of Apple failings where like, you know, they, they launch something, but they, they don't, they don't put in the resources to maintain it very well over time. Um, you know, they get distracted, they move on, whatever else they fire, the guy who runs it, whatever, whatever else the case may be. Uh, and so I think the, when you're, when we're talking specifics of iOS versus Mac OS in their States today, there's lots of areas where iOS comes out ahead there, you know, and, and, building on what you what you just mentioned i think one of the big areas is it's very clear that all of the action in app development in new apps and innovation in apps is almost entirely happening on ios there's very little of it happening on mac os today mac os feels like a ghost town in the software uh, ecosystem right mm-hmm. now and it's it's not totally abandoned but it's 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 certainly like dramatically less active and less exciting than an iOS. And there's lots of reasons for that. But I think the main reasons for that are not that developers hate Windows and files. Uh, I, th- I think it's many other factors that go into that. Yeah. Um, and, and part of it is just because the Mac platform is a lot older and the frameworks for it are a little bit less nice to use, like AppKit on the Mac versus UIKit on iOS. As a developer, uh, AppKit is more cumbersome in a few 
pretty big ways. Uh, it, it it has a lot more legacy support and a lot more complexity in certain areas. And developing for iOS is simply nicer because you can you can get away with not dealing with a whole bunch of stuff that you have to deal with on the Mac uh, and and a whole bunch of conditions and a whole bunch of legacy APIs. You just don't have those on iOS to to, to worry about. Not to mention the App Store on iOS. I mean, it is problematic that it's the only way to distribute software on ios but in some ways that actually benefits people in terms of like you know the value of being in the app store is way higher on ios the value of being in the mac app store is almost zero uh and so it's it is harder to get yourself for sale on ios possibly but it's easier once you're in the app store to to be slightly successful (laughs) It's, it's always hard to be very successful but it's it's like the mac is a platform where the app store and new abilities and stuff have been bolted onto it mm-hmm. rather than iOS, which just kind of grew up with it. And so that all shows in a bunch of big and small ways. So basically developing for iOS is easier and, and uh, in, in most, in most ways it's easier. And the, the market of being in the app store is again, it's not, it's not better in all ways, but it's, it's certainly a simpler arrangement on iOS. It's simpler to get, you know, features, the features are worth more. Uh, it's simpler to direct users to just go to one spot. The Mac App Store is, is such a disaster in so many ways that it, it kind of has never reached that and probably never will at this point. But on the Mac, you also have more options. And so this is this is kind of where I, I think the main... It, there, I think there's two main divergences in how you use the platforms and their their various abilities. The first one is as as a user how you interact with these platforms at all. Like on the, you know, I've mentioned before, like on the Mac, it's PC OSs are file-based or, or document-based where you have folders and files and your main interface to the computer is like your desktop covered in files. Like yeah. that's, you know, like that's, that's basically it. And for a lot of kinds of work, that is way easier to deal with than the app-centric model that iOS has. And it isn't, like, there, there are downsides to both there and there are ways that both have dysfunction there are ways that both of them break down or slow you down or have problems but for certain types of work the ios model is way faster and for certain types of work the file-based model is way faster and so i i'm not entirely sure that we're ever really going to resolve that you know, iOS can can build in things like the iCloud Drive app, which is basically a little folder that you now have that syncs everywhere and basically works like Dropbox mostly. Um, that is kind of a bridge between these two worlds, but not a particularly great one and not one that's very well integrated into the rest of the system in, in any meaningful way, uh, both interaction and, and like API-wise. It just is not very well integrated. So it feels like just an app that happens to hold a bunch of your files, not the environment in which you're operating on your files from the whole system. So that difference is a massive one. The other massive difference between, you know, mobile and PC style is, which I mentioned a couple of times on ATP, which is that when you hit a wall on, like when you, when you hit a wall of like, I don't, I don't know if I can do this, (laughs) you know, on, on this system, the walls on, on mobile tend to be higher and less defeatable. <laughs> Whatever the right word would be there. Mm-hmm. Like, when you hit a wall of, like, you just can't do that on iOS, usually 
game over. Like you, you really just can't do that. Period. Like you hit this wall. Like that's just a limitation of how it's designed. You just can't do that. Period. Uh, or if there is a workaround, it involves so many cumbersome steps or intermediary services or apps that it might as well be impossible for most people. Whereas in the world of PCs and Macs, where you have files and windows and, and a little more open software ecosystems, uh, when you hit a wall, usually it's a lot easier to get past. There are fewer walls to begin with, and it's easier to go around them or to break them down or climb over them or whatever the metaphor is. Um, that also comes with downsides. You know, PCs and Macs are harder to use than iOS, and their security is not as good because of these walls not being as as much in place or as as permanent as they are on on iOS. But for a lot of types of work, the ability for PCs and Macs to be more versatile is not not only sometimes is a huge boost to certain types of work, but sometimes is a requirement. Like you just literally can't do this on iOS. Like what we're doing right now, we're both uh we're both recording the audio out of Skype as we're talking, and that is something that you just can't do on iOS because Skype the Skype app doesn't allow it, and there's no way for third-party apps to hack into its audio and capture it the way we're doing it now. Um, and this is one example of many. Uh, other examples would be like things like on iOS, where if you require certain hardware peripherals, uh, that many of those just don't work on iOS devices. If you require a bigger screen than 12.9 inches you're kind of screwed. Like, you can do external screen support, but it's very limited in, in what it supports. Apps barely work on it. it you can't... It's, it's not really... It's, it's more like a, a TV out than a larger primary screen. Uh, and so, there are these walls with iOS that are just such big walls. And if you can work within them, you can do great things very well. But... The, the PC and Mac world, I think, will always be required because there's a, there are enough needs that people have and enough businesses and hobbies and tasks that you need a way over those. And so there's always going to be those people who, who buy PCs and Macs. So as long as these systems are going to continue to both exist, that's where, that's where I think the iPad is kind of like stuck in a weird, uncomfortable middle ground. Where everyone's going to have their phones, everyone's going to have their laptop clamshell things of some sort. But if there's a, but if the PC market, if the PC OS is still going to exist, then I don't see where the iPad really fits. I mean, there's going to be people like you who who are very strong power users of it, and that's that. You know, you're always going to have that. But when is it ever going to be worth Apple's time? to develop massive new features for the iPad when they also have to manage the Mac, which is handling all their, like, you know, pro and specialized stuff, and also have to have to develop the iPhone, which is bringing all their money. I don't know. It, it's, it, seems like, it seems like we're asking Apple to maintain three very different platforms when they've shown us that they can barely even do it for two. <laughs> so I will say there is a service now which will allow you to do what we're doing right now. Um, it's called Ringer. I've not tried it, um, but Jason, I think, is trying it. It will work. It does. It has like an implementation of the WebRTC stuff, so you can two people can talk and it can record. And I just wanted to mention that because it's a thing. Oh yeah. Uh, now, 
so my feeling on this, like the walls argument is a, is a good argument, right? Like I, I completely follow what you're saying, right? There are, there are more insurmountable blockages on iOS than there are on the Mac. However, I think that there are a couple of parts to this. One is that there are certain things that when you get to the edge of them, on iOS that you can't solve them and maybe it could be solved on the Mac that most most people that come to these blockages wouldn't know what to do. Like you could put them in front of a Mac and you can say, right, this is fixable here, but what it takes to fix it or what it takes to do it sometimes is, is above the level of most computer users, including people like myself, right? When it's like you, your answer is go into the terminal and do something there. It's like, well, I'm I'm lost. Right, I, I, I'm done now. I have to find another way to do this because I'm just not going to be able to do it. The other thing, I, I honestly think that as the iPad is growing and the software around it is growing, the walls are coming down. And they're coming down, I think, at a rate which is also close to walls beginning to go up on the Mac because I honestly believe that there is just going to become, as time goes on, less and less support for things. Right, I think Apple will start building more walls. You know, like you guys were talking about this potential lockdown on Mac. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. that, that could be a thing in the future. Right, that 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 would be huge walls that Apple's putting around the Mac. And the other is is like this is just this comes from just a state of bias that I have because of my platform. I I really imagine and can see a world in which development for Mac OS becomes less and less advanced from Apple's perspective. And that they put more and more of those efforts into the iPad. So I agree with you that there will always be walls, right? The iPad will always have more walls than the Mac did. But I really think that if you're thinking about most people, most people that use computers, the walls are going to start coming down for them. And there may always be the need for a desktop computer, but I don't necessarily think that Apple will always be the company to provide it. Yeah, I, I think that is that is certainly a possibility worth considering. Um, there is one other large point to discuss here, which I think it, it kind of it is possibly you know partly dependent on this, which is like I think for the iPad to continue its advancement, for it to make meaningful strides into the in into like really eating away Mac market share, Apple needs to step up its game in its application software. Like the Apple built-in apps need to get better by a lot. They need to bring their pro apps over. Uh, they like there, there's a lot they need to do. Like right now, you still use a Mac for your video editing and your audio editing, and there's lots of reasons for that. Uh, but one of them is that the software to do those things on iOS isn't good enough no. or lacks key abilities. Uh, or just is more cumbersome. I tried to use Ferrite a couple of days ago, and I know that people can use it. I know people mm-hmm. that make shows on it, but I can't get my head around it. Right, and, and you know, it's similar. Same is true for video stuff. Like it's like you can do this on this platform, but usually it's both easier and faster, and possibly, uh, possibly better quality results depending on what you're doing uh, from from Mac, right? And if Apple really wanted to push the iPad forward in this area. Apple had, and still somewhat has, pro apps teams. They had Aperture. They had. They have Logic. They have Final Cut. They could make an effort to bring these things over 
but they're not. It seems like these these efforts just go nowhere. They have they have only the very consumery versions of these things. They have GarageBand, iMovie, and the Photos app uh, on on the on the iPad and, and iPhone, and they don't have any of the they don't have any of the pro stuff there. And even the consumer versions of these things, I feel like they're just barely holding on for for dear life. <laughs> like it, like. You know, GarageBand gets occasional updates here and there. It's fun to play around with. Um, cool. Uh, the Photos app is kind of terrible in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. uh, both on the Mac and on iOS. That seems to be possibly getting worse. Um, I don't have any experience with, with iMovie, so I really can't speak to it. But I know Final Cut on the Macs is pretty great, and we don't have that uh, on on iPads. I feel like the Apple of like 10 years ago or 15 years ago when they were much better about keeping their their app suites up to date not just the OS and the platform that apple could have made this happen where like that apple could have done a whole bunch of stuff to make this new computing platform of theirs really awesome from the apps department but today's apple i don't think can or will do that and so then you can you can look at well what will third parties do and I think we have enough now. You know, I think the the iPad and i and iPhone have been around for long enough now that I think whatever third parties are doing now, we can assume like probably more of that. And if you look at what third parties are doing now in like pro application software, content creation, stuff like that, um, I think it's very clear that the that the iPad is really a, a very very low priority platform for most of them that you can maybe do some things on it like adobe has lightroom for the ipad uh i've tried it it's okay it is nothing like lightroom for the desktop and even like you can't even edit photos with the same quality uh, like you can't even get like the same quality filters and stuff and like it, it's very very limited and I would guess, based on rumblings I've heard here and there, that Adobe probably makes almost no money from it, so there's probably very little incentive for them to keep making it. Um, you can look around the rest of the the pro content creation industry, and you can kind of see a similar pattern, where most of these like high-end applications uh, for iPad and iPhone, but most, mo- mostly in this case we're talking about iPads, uh, most of those applications are cut down versions of what you get on a Mac and they're usually simplified to the point where they are maybe easier to use but that you can't actually get great results out of them or that you wouldn't want to go through the cumbersome process of doing so or there's some other limiting factor that that makes it hard to use for actual you know pro work and so if third parties aren't going to really be able to do this on a meaningful scale for lots of reasons. And I think one of the big ones is the app store economic model is, is just really difficult. Uh, but you know, if, if third parties can't or won't make this really happen in, in a strong way, and also Apple seemingly doesn't care much to keep their applications in, in great health these days, uh, especially in, in the pro apps or, or to bring them over the iPad in the first place. I don't see how we ever get to that world where most people are using iPads for for a lot of their work and and for for like pro con and stuff like what you want to be doing i i don't see in practice how we get from here to there with the conditions that seem apparent and that seem fairly immovable for the foreseeable future so i believe in the ability for this stuff to get better and my reasoning for this is my own experience like the ios 9 and the ipad pro made it possible for me to do 
all of the business stuff that I do on my iPad. And it was because the software got better, the hardware got better, and the apps got better. So, like, your choice for text editors, email applications, um, all of this sort of, like, basic work stuff, that has only gotten better over time on the iPad. Like, to the point now where so many of these things, they're easily comparable to what you're able to achieve on the Mac, if not more. Like, I find AirMail for iOS to be a more complete and powerful application than the Mac version. Like, some of the things that you're able to do with that app are better on iOS than they are on the Mac. You look at something like Editorial, which allows you to take control of text in a way that is kind of mind-blowing, right? And this, these sort of things, they aren't, in my opinion, they aren't as good on the Mac. And it is the... Ab- <laughs> Don't get the text editors, trust me. Yeah, I, I was really skating <laughs> around text editors. I was, I was trying to spend more time focusing on email applications. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's say Markdown text editors. I think that there are, there are nicer options on iOS than there are on the Mac. And, and I feel like a lot of the ones that are nice on the Mac were nice on iOS first. That's in, probably true. In my opinion. Generally, like I'm not going up against BB Edit here, right? Like I'm, I am very familiar with BB Edit's power, but <laughs> this is the thing. Something like BB Edit, I can't use that. I have no idea what I'm doing with an application like that because it's just, it's not built in the way that works with my brain. So my, my, my point here is that Apple has been able to get the iPad to a point where I think it is perfectly comparable if not better to achieve these types of work this basic type of work right like the the type of work that everybody needs to do if they have these kind like a kind of a corporate job right like email dealing with files dealing with attachments all of this stuff is possible to do on ios and in some places it is better to do on ios if you're of the mindset that i am although it is in some places worse to do an ios sure uh, like there's there's a lot of there's a lot of very common tasks on PC OSs that are very cumbersome on iOS. Uh, and the reverse is also true. But, you know, things like 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 what a lot of office workers have to deal with on a regular basis, things like shuffling around different versions of documents and, you know, emails with a whole bunch of different attachments and putting different attachments to different different management systems and, and sure. document systems and, see, like... Yep. Basically, a lot of office work involves shuffling files around. And on iOS, that is in some ways possible, but often cumbersome. Uh, or or it, or like some of the edge cases are impossible. Um, and so it's... I feel like there's... Like, if you look around... Again, like, I'm not... My argument here is not that nobody can work the way you do. or Or that no one's getting worked on on iPads. I do think it's hard to it's hard to look at the sales numbers because uh, you know you, your argument is correct that iPads outsell Macs, of course, um, but a lot of iPads are. I, I think m- many data studies and stuff have shown, and you can also just anecdotally you can tend to look around at like coffee shops, airports, workplaces, places where you see people using computing devices. Um, and I think it's very clear that the majority of iPads are probably not being used that way to, to get like office work done most of the time. A very, very common scenario that you see in like uh, in like uh, like on an airplane or something like that is you'll, you'll you'll see like everyone with the trade tables as you're walking back to the bathroom, you'll see like all the iPads are playing movies 
and all the laptops, people are working on a spreadsheet or something. You know, like that's a very, very common thing. Like I see that every time. And I, mm-hmm. and again, we've, we've heard from lots of people like, again, this is all anecdotal, but like all the anecdotes tend to agree. <laughs> so there's probably something there. Um, most iPads tend not to be used for work purposes uh, or tend to be used only for the very lightest of work, of work purposes, like the executives in a meeting taking notes or looking at their email, right? And and so most iPads seem to be used in this more passive entertainment role. Or another common scenario is, you know, a lot of people who who get their computer issued to them by their workplace that's it's always that's always a laptop that's never an ipad like they're always getting like a, a crappy pc laptop being issued to them by their workplace and then they they you know f- for their home computer they'll either take that laptop home and just use it themselves or they will often get an ipad for home and that's and i think that's one of the reasons you see so much higher sales of ipads than macs by by raw unit numbers because i think a lot of people who are buying an ipad are buying it to be their their home and travel you know, kind of fun entertainment computer because they already have a work PC laptop and they can't justify having a whole separate Mac laptop or don't want a whole separate Mac laptop or don't want to spend $2,000 on a whole separate Mac laptop. So they get an iPad for their like casual needs. And that's totally fine. And so I'm not saying that that's going to go away or that that's, or that people can't do what you do, which is much more and most, uh, or some, some people even do all of their work on iPads. But what I am saying here is that, like, I think your arguments for the sales numbers being so high are certainly distorted by what people are actually doing with them. Um, and, and I think that the, the number of people doing a whole bunch of, quote, real work on them, and I don't, wanna, I don't mean that, like, dismissively of what other people are doing, but the number of people who are doing, like, heavy productivity work on them, I think is very, very small. And if, and I think the the amount of heavy productivity work that you can do that the average person can do on an iPad before getting frustrated by the limitations or the the certain things being cumbersome that aren't on PCs i think a lot of people would rather do that kind of work on PCs partly because they're familiar which is admittedly unfair but also partly because it's faster and easier so like like I, I think it's important to distinguish when, when we're talking about anecdotes of how we see people using iPads. So somebody wrote into ATP this week. I'm sorry, I forgot the name. Uh, but they wrote in to basically say like the the vast gulf that exists between like the average user and programmers in like power usageness. A similarly sized gulf exists between like our grandparents who just use an iPad for Facebook and the typical office worker. So like. I think it's important to separate out these groups when people say like, oh, my, you know, my relatives or whatever, they're computer novices or they don't really have any like heavy productivity work to do. They use an iPad and and that's fine. That's all they're used for. That doesn't represent the average, the average user. The average user is that the group in the middle, which is like everyone who's like using computers for work. And most of those are Windows PCs that are issued by work and whatever else. But like for iPads to attack that market is very, very different from all of our you know grandparents using them so we have to look at what it's like to do office productivity not what it's like to just browse the web and watch videos and office productivity i think really suffers on the ipad for a lot of people because of these different limitations and things that are more cumbersome and even though you can do it i think the number of people doing it 
is very, very low. So any argument based on sheer sales numbers of iPads versus Macs, I think really has to take that into consideration. Yep. But the thing is, like, and and I can I can totally see the argument that you're making, and it may well be right. But the problem that we have is we don't actually know. Sure. And so, like, I can make assumptions, right? Like, if we look at sales numbers and the Mac is stable at, like, 5 million units a quarter, you know, we can consider there is an amount, as a percentage of these people that are using those Macs for work, right? It's not all of them. Uh, let's say it's, like, 75% of them. We have no way of knowing if that's happening with the iPad. And and it also, like, it's, like, what what is work, right? And what if it's school kids, doing their work mm-hmm. or what if it's people that are working in companies who are getting these things deployed to them because they can work with vnc clients now right like and there's a lot of that and it's it's a point that i struggle on because i look at this from my perspective and know that i'm able to do my work on it comfortably and the work that i'm doing on these devices is the same work that i used to do when i worked for the bank which is ultimately dealing with office files and sending emails. Hey, no no one's arguing with you that you, whether you can do it or not. You can yeah. do it. You are doing it. Like that's totally fine. Like no one's arguing against whether it's possible to get this worked on an iPod, on iPads. Mm-hmm. The only I think the main question is like whether this is going to represent the way most people do it in the future or not. And see because I do it, I say yes. Right? <laughs> and because I don't, I say no. <laughs> and this is the problem. This is the problem when we don't actually know the numbers, but all we can do is kind of put our own biases to it, right? Mm-hmm. Because you know you mentioned about the, like dealing with emails and stuff and it being cumbersome with attachments. Like I agree with that, right? Like if I want to attach a document to my email, I have to choose it from the file picker every single time. But the advantage that I have of iOS is when I hit that attachment thing, I can pull files from a myriad of cloud services that I can't do as easily on the Mac. Like, if I want to attach a Google Drive document to an email on iOS, I just go to the document picker, and then I just go through the Google Drive picker. I don't have the Google Drive app installed on my Mac. So how do I do it? Like, I have to go and download the application, set that up, have everything sync, have all of the stuff <laughs> download. You had to do that on iOS, it. too. <laughs> no, but on <laughs> iOS, nothing's downloading. Like, it's already there. Like, I can just go in and pick from it. Like, it, it is, to me, an easier way Well, yeah, way but, but you had it. to download the Google at Drive app on sure. iOS also. Like, so, you, you, I mean, you have to download the app either way. But you they don't all the up files have to download on the Mac before they could be attached to an email? I, that depends on an implementation. I don't... It, they could do it either way. Uh, I don't know. I've never used Google Drive, but it is possible for them to do it either way. By the way... Well, there you go. Also worth pointing out... Uh, Macs tend to have a lot more storage space uh, by by a large amount, um, and this actually changes the way apps can be developed. So, for instance, email is a great example of this. On iOS, there is, as far as I know, I don't think there's any clients that offer local email search. You, you I, I yeah, think they Spot all do does. server side. They can Spot download does. all your messages and do local search. I think so. I think so. Hmm, that's worth looking into for me then, because I, I, you know, like the typical, you know jerk that i am i don't use gmail uh and so i rely on typical you know imap provider search which is terrible and so what i actually rely on is the if i want to search my email i just open up mail.app on my mac which is my basic apple mail client 
and I just type in the search box and it works pretty well. Almost it works pretty well and it works consistently every time. Trying to find an email on my iPhone is a disaster because I, I you know that's it's all server side IMAP search and it's really slow and really dumb. Uh and and so I like and and I've I've thought for years like this has been a limitation of the iPhone mail app since 1.0 in literally 10 years ago. Why have they not up, you know fixed this yet? And then I look at the size of my of my mail database on my Mac and it's like 20 gigs. And I'm like, "Oh, that's why." <laughs> because my Mac comes with a hard drive that is at least 10 times yeah. that size, uh while, you know, very few iOS devices could spare that much space for a mail database. Um so that also like there's a there's a certain like I, I don't think this is a massive factor, but certainly there's there's things like that that just make working on iOS harder for certain types of tasks, and that is in part because most iOS hardware specs are considerably lower end than than Mac specs would be, and that's you know that's reflected in the price, but you can't get away from the fact that like you just can't buy an iOS device that has a terabyte of storage in it. Uh, you, you know, things like that. Like mm-hmm. there, and it's just one of the many walls that exist. Just like you can't buy iOS devices with screens bigger than X, or you can't buy them with multiple ports or whatever, you know, there's all these arguments like the, there's just, a, there's so many of these limits on iOS that just make it very, very hard to get certain things done. And I think that's, that's always going to be the case because that's part of what makes iOS good. That like that's that's part of why iOS can be so good. Like Gruber made this argument for uh, for the last few years of like basically like shunting off all of the edge cases and complexity to Macs and PCs is what has allowed iOS to be as good as it is. Because you can you can get all those edge case people, which by the way is a lot of people, but you can get like you can put all the edge cases on the other platforms and let iOS only target that middle you know, 75% of things people do uh, or whatever it is. And I think to, in order to make iOS accommodate more of those types of things, you would by definition make it worse. So I don't actually think it's ever going to go in that direction. I don't think it's like, if they, if they add a few more little multitasking enhancements here and there, that's fine. But I don't think they're ever going to get to the point where, like you mentioned, even having like four like little square windows on screen, I'm not even sure they're ever going to do that. I think that might even be too far for them because like the interaction method of like, how would you even arrange those different gestures where you pull in from the sides in certain ways or like, I, I don't even know. Like I, I think they're going to have a lot of trouble with that. So I think iOS is actually going to remain about as simple as it is today for the foreseeable future. You see, I don't agree with that. I, I, I really don't agree with that. I think that they're going to continue pushing it. Like, I mean, there are confident. there are improvements to be made for sure, but but I, I don't think we're going to see like a, a a large leap in that area because it would just it would require such fundamental changes to the basic interface of how iOS works. Nine and I don't did think that, they're going though. to do that. iOS nine significantly changed the fundamentals of how iOS on the iPad works, and. I don't think that it is beyond them to do something like that again. Like, I think that we will see drag and drop this year. And if drag and drop happens, that's massive. It's massively different. Yeah, right? agreed. And I believe it's going to happen. There are clues all throughout iOS 10 that, 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 that Apple is working on drag and drop. 
right? There are the way that stickers work, the animations there, the way that you've got that kind of split screen Safari thing you can do. Like there is stuff that is, I believe, indicates that that Apple is working on some kind of drag and drop UI, which you know is coupled with some APIs on the background that actually does the transfer of the file, right? Right. But APIs got, that they already have on yeah. macOS, by the way. Like, they, it's, like the APIs are not the problem here. They can port them right over. They have them mm-hmm. already. They wrote them twenty years ago. Like they they have them. But I think that they they've built. The, the, how it's going to be displayed graphically, right? Because it's an actual physical yeah. drag and it pops up and then you move it over and it pops down again. Like the, this, these these animations exist now in iOS and they didn't before. So that's a huge change if they're able to do that. Like I I genuinely believe that this operating system will continue to get stronger at a rate which is as it has been over the last couple of years. Like we had a quiet year this year right, like this past year, 2016. But I think that 2017 is going to see more happen to it. Like, we didn't really get a lot of hardware, but I think it's going to come, and, I, and I'm and i I'm confident in that. And I think that with the more pushes that Apple is able to make, the more, as I said, the more walls come down. Walls came down for me, right? Like, I, I was on record of just not liking the iPad, right? Like, go back to early episodes of Cortex, and there is, like, a point where I was like, I don't, I don't use the iPad. And then, you know, 20 that. episodes later, <laughs> I'm doing 70% of my daily work on this machine. And uh, and I th- and it's because of the advancements that Apple made. And I, th- I genuinely believe they're going to continue to make more and it's going to continue to make the platform stronger. The iPad, I would say it's pretty safe to say, will never be able to do all of the things that the Mac can do. But I genuinely think that that is okay. I think it's okay for the iPad as well. But I think the only disagreement we have left is like whether that's going to actually cause the the Mac and PC OSs to be marginalized into basically nothingness and then to have the iPad replace them or not. I still think there's enough factors that make people want or need to use PC-style OSs that I think they're not going to be replaced. I, I think that the you know the future of computing in, in giant air quotes here is all about multiple devices. You know that's very clear. Uh, and I think that it's if I had to sum up, basically, I think the the PC just does too many things too well that are too necessary that the iPad doesn't or can't do for it to ever be replaced at a large scale by by the tablet unless the tablet changes to basically become pc style uh which uh, then you could argue that is still a pc at that point um and you know there's obviously the future will you know has a lot in store for us we don't know yet it can all change but i don't see a i don't see the current tablet style thing as we know it replacing the pc style thing as we know it people who who will buy tablets I think are largely buying them for other reasons and that they, they're, you know, perfectly good for lots of things uh, and they're going to continue to be popular. But whether they replace PCs, I, I basically think they won't. Uh, and there's lots of, again, lots of reasons for that. I don't think we need to go over them again. Um, although I think a big one, honestly, is cost. I, I think a lot of people have trouble justifying having three different devices that, you know, all cost... Mm-hmm. 800 to a thousand dollars each minimum <laughs> i think that's 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 a big thing but uh ultimately 
I see the PC style laptop continuing to be necessary for the foreseeable future for a lot of people. So I think the PC is replaced eventually, right? It won't last forever in its current guise. And my overriding feeling is that if we let's just narrow this down again to the Mac, right? Because it's the thing that we're both most familiar with. Something is going to replace the Mac eventually. And I think that that thing, whatever that is, will be the thing that replaces the iPad and the Mac. Like, I don't think that the iPad eclipses the Macintosh and and that Apple is just like, we're not making the Mac anymore. Here's the iPad. Like, I don't think that that's what it's going to be, right? (laughs) But what I think replaces both of these is closer to the iPad than the Mac in many ways, in form factor, in style, in the way that we use it, and also as well, unfortunately, in the way that it's locked down. I think that that is an inevitability, in my opinion, that the, the the freedom that is given to Mac users will not be the way that computers are made in the future because I just don't think that vendors really want to give that freedom anymore because it brings a bit too many issues. And I think that in between now and the time when this new computer comes and, and <laughs> kills everything, I think the iPad will get closer to the Mac to the point where they're like, why do we even make two of these anymore? Let's make one of them. That's where I think the future goes. I think I agree with that, and it just comes down to definitions, <laughs> basically. Because <laughs> like, like, I also think that getting increasingly locked down is going to happen. Like that's, it, there's just, it, It's kind of like self-driving cars eventually being the only option. It's like you, could, you can look at the way things are and like, okay, if self-driving cars can happen then they will eventually be the only legal thing that you can do because that's like it just makes so much more sense from a security perspective sure. e- even though we would lose some things and whatever else uh but anyway so there's there's that lockdown yeah that that's a given i think the only question then is like you know how do we define an ipad versus a mac in in this situation it's like if if there is ipad quote hardware that is clamshell shaped natively as i described earlier and if it runs something like that arm lockdown mac concept where you're still dealing with like you still have like files on a desktop so you're still interacting with like a pc style ui but the applications are all basically ios style applications written against ios frameworks running the ios os and kernel beneath them is that an ipad I don't know. Like it's- <laughs> when you guys were having that discussion on ATP, my mind was like spinning at the idea that you would think of that product as a Mac. Like right, if, like if a product like that exists, it's an it's an iPad. Like why? Like at the moment when John was saying, "Oh, and if you gave it to your grandparents and said like this is a Mac, why would it be a Mac? It's not a Mac. Like it's not it, this. If something like this product exists, that's an iPad, but in another shell. Why would it be a Mac?" Because it's running something that has an application dock with running applications and a desktop full of files and folders. Like, but, to me, like, that, that is really what differentiates a Mac from iOS at the fundamental UI level. Like, technical levels aside, at the UI level, that is what is the difference. Is, like, whether, you ha- whether your, like, home screen, your, your root screen on, in the UI is folders and files 
for like your documents, your folders, the way you've organized them that you drag around and don't, you know, you double click them to open them in an application, you know, however that works. Like, are you looking at files at your files that you've organized however you want? Or are you looking at applications that were organized for you that you have to find out which application your data is in to get to it? Like, it, it's just a fundamental difference in, in how you approach you, the way you're using your computer. And I think if you're looking at a screen at a, at a desktop full of files and folders that you put there, and then you can open them up and you can have Windows take up part of the screen and, and drag things between different applications, that's a Mac. If you're looking at a grid of, of application icons, and even if you can slide them around in certain ways for in multitasking view, I think that's an iPad. But again, like I do agree with you that these things are getting closer to each other in certain ways, and that if there's going to be some grand mega merge between them, uh, doing it from the iPad side into the Mac territory rather than trying to merge the Mac into iPad territory is probably the more likely one to happen and probably the easier one to do. So can we come to a, some kind of agreement <laughs> that, like, the line is that, that I say on this is that the future of computing is closer to the iPad. Like, that is what I think. And I guess we could we could maybe come to an agreement on that, but we both believe the lead to that is very different, right? Like, the, I think it's because the iPad's going to continue to get better, and you just think it's because the Mac's going to get locked down. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I think I've, I think my brain is mostly melted at this point, and I've uh-huh. lost most track of what we're actually talking about. Yep. Still, however, uh, I think we're I think we are picturing the end goal of a very similar computer. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I think I think it's just, it's just an issue of like semantics and like. Yep. Whose kernel it's running? <laughs> it's like for me, mine gets better and yours gets worse, and then <laughs> eventually no, like, we end up with a computer. <laughs> no, and like you know, as I was talking about ATP about it, like I actually think that that lockdown Mac concept sounds potentially promising. Like it that can be done well. I'm not sure it will be done well if it's real, but it can be certainly. It yeah. can be done very well. I do uh, think that the smartphone is killing your ideas of files in a desktop. Then why are so many people still using them? Because that's how the computers are. <laughs> I, I, I just think that like eventually, as time goes on, people are just more comfortable with apps than files. Because we, because even our desktops run apps. Like for me, I open apps and then open files. Like I very rarely open a file. I open the application first and then the file second. And that is a lot a lot of that is because that's how Apple builds their apps now in a lot of instances, right? Like, oh, yeah. That when you open the app, the first thing you're given is the opportunity to choose the file. So I tend to do that. And that's because my mind is warped into the application first model. <laughs> and I think that there are more and more people like me now who think about apps first and files second because their smartphones work that way. And that's the computer that they use the most. I think it depends on on the context and, and the work. Mm-hmm. So like if you're talking about like, you know, a service or a web, you know, what well, used to be called a web app, you know, like if you're like, oh, I, I want to go open up Instagram. Like that, you're, you're you know you're going to go to the app for that. Like that's it's like a destination, like Facebook, Instagram, like you know Netflix. Like that's the app, right? So that makes total sense. 
but for i hate to use this for quote getting work done don't even uh, i know I, I think it's it's so it's so often more document based you know it's like like and it, it might even be documents from different programs like you know, you might have like a folder for a certain project you're working on that has two spreadsheets, a, a PowerPoint deck, and like, you know, a couple of images all in one folder. Like, and that's like, to me, the way, what most people in, in most like typical office jobs have to do as part of their work every day, I think is closer to that than the app-centric phone model. And even though the phone is the computer they use more often, you know, necessarily like, or, you know, most of the time for, for like their own personal stuff. That's separate from, from like the work they're doing at their job, which is so often file and document based. Yeah. I, I agree with that. But like for me, everything gets saved into Dropbox folders, right? So it's collected, but it's not where I start. Like, if I know I need to yeah. complete a thing, like, if I know I need to have the PowerPoint document and the Photoshop file, I know where those documents are. And they're, they're, they're both in PowerPoint and Photoshop. Like, the app has to be opened. Why not start there, right? And I think that this is a silly point, but it is, a, like, it, there is, like, an ideology to it. And I, and I think a lot of these arguments between me and you come from ideologies now. Like, yeah what we believe is the ultimate computing platform or the best should we say like a lot of our arguments are based on our starting points and a lot of those starting points are based upon just like fundamental differences in interaction you started here you were you switched teams i know <laughs> and uh, i i i just never was that great a mac user i think right like it just the way that I feel about my Mac now is that I need it, but I don't feel anything for it. It, it. I'm not ever excited to use it. Like, it, there's nothing on it anymore that interests me. It's all happening on iOS. Like, I have these tools. Like, I have these applications. Like, I'm looking at the apps that are open on my screen right now, and there's some stuff in here that's so old and hasn't been touched in so long and it's so boring to me. But when I go on my iPad, like there are new apps all the time and there's exciting stuff that's coming out. Like you mentioned, we were talking so long ago now about Automator <laughs> and Workflow. It's like five hours ago. Like Workflow was just updated last week, right? And it became way more powerful, and more awesome. But like... <laughs> We were talking about Automator. I think it was maybe, you know, it was introduced and it had some stuff and then it just didn't change and it's sitting there, right? I yep. can still activate Dashboard That's pretty on my impressive. Mac, right? Like all of this stuff is just boring and old and crap to me. But I go <laughs> to my iPad and it's like, look at all these applications. They're all new and they all do amazing things. And there's new stuff happening to them all the time, which is making me better. And... I just don't have nostalgia and I just don't have any feeling about my Mac anymore. And and I think that what that's one of the big differences between me and you is like the places that we come from is the, the devices that we care about the most. And a lot of our arguments are based upon that, right? Like my argument of what most people are doing is very different to yours, right? And, and so like when I look at those sales numbers, 
my immediate feeling is like of those five million max, how many people are just watching Netflix on them and really would be better just buying an iPad? And when you look at it, you're like, that's five million people doing work. And <laughs> <laughs> right? And and I just don't I just don't agree that that's the case. And I look at those nine, ten million iPads and I'm like, yeah, maybe half of those people are doing work. Yeah, okay. <laughs> right, but I see it. That's it's like, amazing. they could be. Right, because like, what is work? They're not. <laughs> but if work is email, they could be. <laughs> this is as yeah. far as we're going to go with this. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> we'll meet back again in five years' time, and we'll see what you're doing. We should just meet back after the Mark's iPad event. They're probably going to change right. everything for us right there. If they do, I, I tell you what, I have one question for you, right? Like one yeah, yeah. last question. What if Xcode for iPad happens? Does that make a meaningful change to you? Like, no. I know that there are, like, these million weirdo scripts that run in the background, right? That these, yeah. these, these things that you talk about. But does Xcode for the iPad make a big change? No, not for me. Okay. And, and there's, there's a few reasons why. You know, number one, obviously, the software ecosystem, you know, develop, software development in, especially like you know once you get beyond like the the most trivial of projects usually involves integration of a bunch of different tools together and xcode has some of that stuff built in you know version control like it has some of those things built in uh but it not enough of those things and and developers use a wide variety of different tools and apps and file things and source like it is it, fundamentally it is just going to be very very difficult to wedge what developers actually do in practice into the iOS file and app paradigm. And then more basically than that, as a developer, I type and use the mouse a lot. Mm -hmm. And I need a giant screen to fit a whole bunch of code and yeah. simulators yeah. and documentation and everything else. And so to, to try to do that on even the largest iPad that exists today, the 12.9, the, the uh, would be very cumbersome on the okay. screen space alone, and then also would be ergonomically far worse uh, without without having a mouse for precise mousing and without having uh, my wonderful giant Microsoft Sculpt ergonomic keyboard. Sure. And while I could, I know I could hook it up to to an iPad. That really starts to cut into the the reasons why you want to do this, <laughs> and I like ergonomically uh, the best thing for long term work is a desktop where the screen is elevated up a little bit. You have a separate full size keyboard and mouse, and that's a really hard way to work on iOS. Um, you can do it with like you know Gray's like stormy office, but you know that's the way most people set up their iPads and stuff. It, it, it's kind of difficult to ever do that, uh, and it kind of fights you every step of the way. And, and having to then reach up and touch the screen for so many things and not having a mouse kind of ruins the ergonomics of a lot of that right there. So basically, even if Apple releases something called Xcode for iPad, uh, that would not be enough to sway me over because yeah. it would be very unlikely that I would actually be able to to work the way that I want and need to work for programming tasks that way. That, that isn't to say I, I won't be able to ever do any work on an iPad. But software development, I think, is, is unlikely uh, for, for what most developers actually do for a long time, unless we see massive changes to the, the types of hardware that are available for iPads and to the 
to the the way that the OS deals with files and interact communication. Yeah, I do struggle. This is the thing that I struggle, right? Like in my what is the future of computing thing, I struggle to think of how how people like you would be catered for. Right? That that is a stumbling block that I come to because you could be forced into it. But I don't think that that's a good good option. Right? Like I don't right, think that right. that is best for Apple to force you into it. So I I just wonder like how that ends up looking, and it, it's just, you know going right back around again. It could be something closer to the Surface Studio, but to get to that point, there has to be significant change. Which is why you know it goes back to like what my idea is in that iPad gets better and better and better until they're like, okay, this is good enough that if we add this, 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 and this, it's just going to be like just like the Mac now. So let's just replace them both with Computer X. And start over. We'll see. Thank you, Marco. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Did I win? Did I win? I no. think you wore me out at least. Excellent. <laughs> That's how you win, right? It's like it's the the Mount Rushmore episode of The Simpsons. They just keep going and going and going until eventually you just have to break down. <laughs> oh, I'm tired. I'm gonna go back to my Mac. I bet.